We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings Netflix Full Swing, Episode 1, Episode 2, Episode 3, Recap. We're going to talk through the entire series. So smash the like to the episode, sub to Mayo Media Network, sub to the podcast, and in the comment section, I want to hear your guys' thoughts about what you think of Full Swing so far to this point. We didn't want to do the complete binge all-in-one episode because, I mean, I haven't even watched the entire thing yet. You know, there's other stuff going on on TV right now. Star Trek Picard is back. Vanderpump Rules is on. The Challenge just finished up. XFL and, you know, regular golf is going on. And so we're going to try to separate these in the time codes by episode one, episode two, and episode three. In case you've only watched one or two and don't want the third one spoiled, you know when to stop. You know we can come back and see what people are saying, at least the three of us, what we're saying about these episodes. Jeff Feinberg from, as he would call it, the Mayo Media Experience is here on the line. Ben Raza from Stochastic.com. Here to talk about this well, one as well, one of my favorite people to talk about TV with. So let's get to a general overview of what we think so far before we go into all of the episodes. And Ben, I'm going to check this out to you. Not super impressed by it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I, I'm not either. I can't. T- so I'm really interested to see what you guys say, because I can't tell if it's because I watch a lot of golf and I know some of these dudes. I'm good. Maybe I'm not smart enough to understand. I'm very confused at the chronological order. There's a lot. I I get the cut rules explained to me every episode. Those are my big takeaways so far. I think it's I, I didn't watch the F1 show that Netflix did. And that seemed to be pretty popular. And it seemed to be pretty popular amongst Americans who didn't seem to know anything about F1. It was like discovering a whole new world is apparently what people have told me about it. So Jeff, I think there is a chance that we just, we already know what happens. And this show is geared towards people that didn't know what happened and don't know anything about golf. 
Yeah, so I'm the first to admit what I, you know, interests me the least in the show, Pat, is when they're actually showing golf events or creating drama within the events because we know what happens. But I've mentioned to you that as someone who enjoyed the F1 show now, watching the F1 show never, I tried to watch a race. It's still boring as hell. Like, I didn't get through it. No, I like I like the last 10 laps of any race. Yeah, the the ending of anything is I can watch. I watch the last five laps of a NASCAR race. I'm always interested in that sort of thing. But the F1 show, I had no idea who wins this race in Istanbul. So that's like the drama is still there for me for the show. So it feels like in my early indications is the show is never for us. It's not for hardcore golf fans that know a lot of these things even you know we're learning more information but you know we know a lot of the relationships um on tour and sort sort of things so um yeah there's just a lot the, the drama's not there for me but you can't replicate the race the drama of a race car garage during a race you can't you can't replicate that i guess i i guess that makes sense like did they in the f1 show did they go driver by driver and show these individual stories, or was it about each of the events? Another thing, I have no idea what order they were in in the F1 show because I'm unaware of the schedule. The PGA, no, I'm, I know not, the I'm, schedule. I'm not. I'm not talking about the schedule though. Like, it, like in this, yes, it was driver specific episodes. Okay. So you would okay. you would meet the driver, and then in that episode, they would show you a dramatic part of the season, or they would create drama from the time they were with the driver. So yes, in that respect, respect, it was very similar in that there were driver specific episodes where you got to know them and their family. And then you went on a dramatic in race journey with them. Correct. Do you think it works better, Ben, if you go event by event rather than tracking individuals at the like Justin Thomas wins the PGA championship in May, but now let's like rewind to what happens at the players championship or the masters. Like, would it be better to go? Here's what happened at waste management. Here's what happened at the players. I don't know. I, I think so. Maybe again, cause it's, we know what happens, but even if you didn't, okay, you see JT episode one, you know, takes it down Southern Hills. Then every other episode, they go to Southern Hills and it's like a guy climbing the board, but he can't obviously win because we already saw what happened. So I I would have rather have them do it week by week and get into each golfer in that time period than jumping around to the same couple of tournaments for each golfer. If you weren't, I don't want to say required to watch this entire series. But you're going to watch this entire series because, hey, you just watch a ton of TV anyway. We all cover golf for a living that we're going to get through this. But if you were just like a casual viewer, do you think you would keep up with this? Because I know Paul said he watched 20 minutes of the first episode. That was enough for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I could do without it. I'm intrigued a little bit. I, I wish they got to more like obscure people, people that I'm not super familiar with. I know that wouldn't be for the casuals, but like. Give me some random like corn fairy dudes that I've never heard about. I would be interested in that more than talking about JT. Part of this felt like it was producers who were excited to fly private. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, I that's even a knock. If I was a producer, I'd be like, give me the assignment where we're flying private, flying private, just, just yucking, just yucking it up. Overall, I, I can't 
in my opinion, I can't see this hitting non-golf fans the way the F1 did. And maybe that's an unfair benchmark, but we only use that because people would acknowledge the success of that show is the reason this show exists. I also feel like, um, and I haven't finished the whole season, although you know I've seen trailers, so I have an idea of what's happening beyond where I am. The drama of the whole live stuff Like we get a smirk out of Ian Poulter like they did. They had the most drama golf will ever have. And it feels like they got 0.9% of of goods when all of that was happening, or at least that's what they showed us. So no golf season will probably be crazier behind the scenes than that. And I don't even think they took advantage of it in what I have seen so far. Nick, do you think that's because just look how poorly Liv is doing with audiences anyway? Is it just that Liv is important to people who follow golf and people who don't follow golf just really don't give a shit about Liv? The Liv story is kind of compelling to people who are interested in in sports. I mean, not being in, enjoying Liv or not caring for Liv and enjoying Liv discourse is probably the camp I am in. But again, if this show only exists in the end to service golf fans, that would be weird, right? Like, that's not their intention, that can't be their intention. I would agree. And I, I just I just don't know with these episodes who they're pulling. Like, are they pulling in my wife? No. I don't think, like, I haven't watched it with her yet, but I don't think she's going to care. Maybe she will. I will say, shout out to my mother. She watched it. She's been watching it, and she she seems to be enjoying it because she doesn't know. She's like, did you know that JT and Spieth were friends? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I did, in fact, know that. And, and so she's getting it from that lens, but at the same time, I think after a couple, you get the gist of it. Like, yeah, everyone flies private. They're all pretty buddy-buddy, and a lot of dudes left for live. Yeah, and even... They're all rich. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean to... Ju- I'm not going to do this, but to jump... We're doing one through three, but maybe the biggest talking point, Pat, has been the the Joel Damon situation, which which was lovely, and we'll get to it in the future. But I will only say to people in our bubble who've ever listened, there are people who are friends with Gino the Caddy. He's on, I don't want to say a lot of podcasts, but he makes his rounds in this niche Twitter golf circle. That story, again, it's not for us, but that story, as great as it is, it's so, it's not new at all to anybody who's been paying like a semblance of deeper attention to tour and what access we even get like even the pga tour media account years ago does like deep stories on that relationship so for golf fans i don't feel like we're getting anything new i just love any time we get the slightest like glimpse behind the fourth wall you know dudes eating in the cafeteria or the locker room it's like the true behind the scenes stuff that i like even in hard knocks that shit's so redundant but They've just got, you know, scenes with the guys mucking it up at at lunchtime. You know, I feel like this was really missing that a lot of that. And and it did seem to be the most compelling part of the episodes I watched. So let's jump into episode one, which is the Spieth and JT episode, because it felt like all of their interactions, it felt as produced as regular reality TV feels like these are two pretty non-compelling people in terms of 
their personalities to begin with. Obviously, they're two of the more popular players on the PGA Tour. I get why, if you're not going to have a Tiger episode, why you would lead with these two. And just even the drama of JT winning the PGA Championship is great. Like, that's a nice story to build. But, like, when they're pretending to fuck around on a private jet or calling each other from the range, it just seems really forced and unreal. That's that's what I mean. Like, what else... What storylines do they have besides them growing up together and both being good? And I mean, they kind of tried to frame it like, and I, I get it. There was a, a a part where it was J, you know, JT was Spieth's buddy, and now JT's obviously uh, really, really good. But I, I don't know what else there was to say. I was interested to see if Smiley was going to make an appearance. That was my big cliffhanger. Will Smiley get in the episode? Because I thought that that storyline was pretty quickly dealt with that JT and Spieth, yes, they've grown up together and they're good, good friends. If, if you could re-envision this episode with these two guys, Jeff, because I think that I have more compelling storylines that I can think of. I don't know whether they gathered it on camera or not, but like, what would you have shown between these two guys? Well, for starters, Pat, and Ben mentioned it, it was great to see something that we sat across a tiny booth in Liberty Village for two or three years. We're like, this has to be driving Justin Thomas mad. He's probably beaten Jordan Spieth. They've probably played 50-50 matches for their entire lives, and this guy's winning everything in 15 minutes, and Thomas can't win on American soil. It was great to see how that was obvious. Like, we assumed that was what was going on in JT's head, and that was clearly what was going on. I don't think you can tell that you they should have gotten into more of Jordan's last year and the lows he was on that's and how it. he's finding it again. Yep. That's that's the story with Spieth that they kind of talked about. Oh, he he has these three majors and he comes out of the gate. He's the number one player in the world at 21. Like the story with Spieth is how he lost it. And now he's on the comeback trail. Like they, I know that he had won at Valero the year before, but like even his win that they showed, I guess it was more of a Justin Thomas episode than a Jordan Spieth episode. But like his win at Heritage last year was really dramatic, and I don't really feel like they captured that at all. Not at all. And 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 to correlate that with the Brooks Kepka winning four majors in fifteen minutes and that road, like. And how Jordan and they both sort of went very different paths and to see Jordan coming through it. And there's still some unknowns with Brooks like that's something maybe that could have been played out because a very similar multiple majors, everything instantly golf is easy. And then everything just that fickle world that pro golf is it all sort of evaporates and how they both went about it. They're made. I mean, maybe we're supposed to make these connections on our own. But the producer should be doing that, you know, for us also. Yeah, if they're if they're going to hold our hand on what a par is, and I understand why they have to do that. Like, uh, do you know? Do you know the cut line rules now, Ben? Now I do. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't, but now I only I mean... want to. Sorry to interrupt, but I have to no. defend that in to having watched and being foreign to some terms in the F one show. I guess maybe I picked up on it the first or second time they told me. But there are people that the terms I'm assuming matter and, you know, they've produced these things before. And also with the F1 thing, Pat, now that it's four or five seasons in, I don't think Lewis Hamilton even does stuff with them anymore. He feels it's too contrived and it's become maybe not what it originally was many of these years down the road. Sorry to go back. 
So so it's like season one of Jersey Shore versus the rest of the seasons of Jersey Shore. Whereas season one, it was just like, let's lock these lunatics up in a house and film what happens. And craziness ensued. After that, it's like, yeah, we need to put them into situations because we got nothing else. That's a lot of, you know, and I'm foreign to all of that because I don't follow F1. So I just take the show and like, oh, that's what's happening. Look, at, you know, anyhow. No, but I, 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 get I, it. I understand explaining the cut line rules and explaining power. And maybe they think that people are going to jump into different <laughs> episodes of this. But it, it felt like it got pretty repetitive throughout at least the three episodes that I watched, Ben. Oh, it's definitely repetitive. And I mean, maybe they need a big not to go on a different tangent, but everyone on TV should watch those episodes to learn how the cut line works uh so they don't say that tiger's 100 percent gonna get cut and then he clearly was not but that's a different story for a different time I, I guess just to bring it back to what i talked about at the beginning i had trouble even as someone who who knows some of this stuff linking the time periods like if you didn't know i think you would think that brooks and spieth won their majors like pretty much right before some of this stuff in the show happened and obviously there's time period spacing that I think is hard to convey if you didn't know. That's a good point. I, I didn't really think of that, but the way that they alluded to it and spoke about it, yeah, it did feel like, oh, yeah, yeah. Jordan Spieth coming in, winning three majors in a row. It's like, yeah, it's, it's not quite what's going on. Not here. really. Like, Brooks, oh, he's just rattled him. Like, no, not exactly. I, I think if, if you didn't know, I'm not sure the show would lead you to that conclusion. Interesting. All right. So, I mean, I've kind of shit on it so far, but there are parts of it I really like. Like Thomas after all the stuff with Thomas, like I think Justin Thomas's dad was the star of episode one. Like all the stuff with him and JT, I thought was really good. And I felt like that was the only time, like when he's with Spieth, it seems produced. When he was with his dad, he actually felt like a real person. Yeah, I agree with that. that that's like the hard knocks. Jeff said that like, the best part of Hard Knocks is, is just the authentic, like, bullshit in between some of the what seems more like structured type conversations. Absolutely. JT's dad um, seems like a real one. Every golfer should be so lucky to have that sort of resource because it's sort of you. you I don't hate to do this, but you wonder where, you know, Brooks Kepka would be if he had JT's dad, just reminding him, you're good. You're fine. Like you're fine. Finishing 18th is still good. You still beat 130 people. Like, like you're doing good. Just keep grinding. Winning's hard. I, I don't. Yeah. I love JT's dad, but again, JT's dad is a character that us who follow golf. I mean, he's on the PGA tour Twitter account with a great blurb or audio thing every month probably too sure but i don't feel like we like i don't really know anything about jt's dad other than yeah he was a pga pro that that's really the extent of what i know i know they have a relationship he's their he's his coach but seeing them interact i I thought that was really good content and even jt after he won what was his quote that you know i wish this part would last longer i i thought that was really good insight to how some of these guys have to live yeah uh Again, it it felt like there were moments of that, but it was all fleeting. Like, that was a cool thing, and then they got back to some of the stuff that I could kind of do without. But you had that on JT's side. Spieth's side, I mean, maybe they didn't really try to delve into him, but I didn't see much of anything from from the Spieth side of the episode. I, I see why he's in a bunch of commercials. He seems like the world's easiest dude to work with. Yeah, he's he's just Spieth. He seems like a genuinely good guy. I like Spieth a lot, but 
he didn't really have many layers to him. Well, well, that's the problem. And I mean, we're going to talk about this more with episode two. But like when you get to Scotty Scheffler, like there's just nothing there. <laughs> It yeah. may, maybe speaks the same way. Like the did you guys like the part where JT had to go into CVS to get allergy medicine that he couldn't figure out how to use the self checkout and then his card wouldn't work? Like that was at least relatable. I don't know if it was staged or not, but I, I at least liked that part of it. Oh, Jeff, you're muted. If you're talking, I had to restart my mic. Because I had a bit of an issue, but that that is the stuff I love the most is them going. Yeah, that sort of shit going into CVS and being real humans. So of the first three that we watch, Ben, where would you rate episode one versus the rest? Um, I mean, I had the most prominent stars. I would put it of the three. I would put it second. I'd put it last. Like, I think this was okay. the worst one. At least in my mind, and maybe a casual golf fan or even a non-golf fan would be the most compelled by this because you know who, even if you know nothing, these are potentially two of the names that you do know. But I just, there, there was nothing here. It was just like watching Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth on TV. Like, there's nothing here. They have no personality, really. Or, like, you can see it with JT, like how petulant he gets, how mad he gets, that the tour kind of hides that from us. It leaks out from time to time. And obviously he's been involved in controversies, you know, at, at points of time, but they really do a good job of protecting these guys on the tour from what maybe their true personalities really are. The tour does a wonderful job of protecting them. And I still don't think we've seen Harold Varner top the ball at 10 on Riviera four years ago. Like the tour does a great job of protecting guys um there's no doubt about it i think it's last but it's a definitive it's a definitive gap for me because a couple of them kind of were just like blah and then they're one that like the brooks one really interested me in the first three we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let's, let's talk about that one. The Brooks Kepka episode, episode two. Uh, I too thought this was by far the best one. And... I found Brooks really compelling. I found Brooks to be pretty honest about what's going on. And I feel like what's happening to him, and maybe this is just a very personal thing. And Jeff, we talked about this a little bit on our Monday show that you like the guys that you like and you can excuse what they do. And you don't like the guys that you don't like. And, you know, they're the biggest villains on earth. Uh, You can see why Brooks was, I don't want to say transcendent in golf, but it did seem like he was more of just a golf celebrity, even versus like Spieth and Thomas. Spieth and Thomas are more known, but I know there was something about Brooks and his personality and the way, the rate that he won at, and now that's gone. And that was so much linked with his personality of being a winner that I don't know, if he felt like more of a crossover story to me when he was running good, and it seemed almost like he went completely away from the spotlight at all, Ben when he stopped winning. Interesting story. I'm definitely not as big of a Brooks fan as maybe you are in life. So maybe some of that stuff. Rubbed. I thought it was the best episode. No doubt about it. Um, I just thought, again, it was all over the map. Like I would have loved to see more structure chronologically with it because I thought there were some interesting things to kind of tug at with Brooks, with his mentality. And, you know, he came with a, I think a layer of arrogance and he backed it up for a long time and now he's lost the results. And it it really was interesting to see how he's not spun it, but how he took that on. But I thought there was definitely some missing pieces to that whole puzzle. Yeah, because I know that you've kind of had a psychological profile on Brooks over the years, Jeff, but like what he's going through now, and maybe this is why I related to it so much, is how I I feel like I've been through the period of life that Brooks is currently going through, and it sucks, and it's hard to get your confidence back. You know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I did, but I, life can beat you down when you're used to going at a certain level sometimes. Yeah, life life is cruel. Golf is cruel. And that was the only reason. I Like everybody, in total awe of everything Brooks did, it will forever be remembered winning those four majors that quickly that in that dominant fashion that shinnecock course might have been the hardest setup we've ever seen and he took that thing apart but we've also been people have been fans of golf a lot longer than us i mean we see rory still waiting we we just like brooks acting even at his peak that he is going to be above everything that's happened to tiger to rory to everyone else we've ever seen i just couldn't buy into see i do i I think watching this episode that i do completely buy into that because that was a part of him winning realistically like not having that mindset and not believing it that was he's only a he sees himself as a failure now because of that mindset instead of seeing the, the 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 just the reality of pro golf guys go with that winning morikawa is now not winning um i think the episode didn't do a fair job to his injuries pat we should have heard more about those 
I want both knees. You know, maybe it's because they're embarrassed, maybe because they involve like a slipping at a pool party or something as that has been reported. But there's wrists, there's knees, there's so much. Let me hear how many surgeries you had. I tore up my knee. I had two surgeries last one. My knee is not the same. I've had a setback. I'm nothing like these guys, like nothing. But I have so much more sympathy just getting cut open twice and it not going as planned. And like, let, let me hear about that. But again, my main take from the episode, it was great to see him real, but I'm watching that episode and I'm gaining a respect for day for Spieth, for Rose guys that for sure had the mental and physical dark passenger show up. And they, I don't know. They're like, no, this is what I do. I'm here to kind of fight through it. I don't know. It was just, um, it's weird on many on many levels, many levels. I think Brooks. How can I put this? I think he's the most like Tiger mentally. I mean, obviously, Tiger's stronger and he was able to do it for a lot longer. Uh, and we haven't seen Brooks come back. And maybe we'll never see that based on the fact that he ended up going to live. And we're only going to see him four times a year. But just Tiger's when Tiger was running good, his mental game was I'm the best player. I'm way better than everyone else. And part of having that psychology is what makes you a winner. I mean, some people are delusional and have it. It doesn't work out for them. But Brooks was clearly riding that, Ben. He definitely was riding it. I just, I guess I, I still get confused with Brooks because, and maybe this is a me thing with him. First of all, he basically almost put me homeless during that stretch. So maybe I'm bitter because <laughs> uh, I didn't have any of those outrights. He, at times, is like, yeah, I, you know, I, I just show up. Like, I don't even I don't practice. practice. You know, no problem. And then it's like, no one will understand how hard I work at this. And, and like, what? And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, you, you were the guy that said, like, when you play golf is when you see me on TV. Like, I basically just show up. And then it's also like, I work harder than everyone out there. I, I do anything to get back. And I, I, some of it just doesn't add up to me. Well, I, I, it kind of feels like he wasn't, like, it was just easy for him. And, you know, like, when life's going good, life is easy you don't seem like you're putting that much effort into it. When life starts going bad, you start doubling down, tripling down, and working harder and doing whatever it is, and then you just feel like you're not getting results as it goes along. So maybe when he was coasting and he was the best player on the planet, he wasn't doing anything. But now that's not working anymore, so he needs to try something else. I understand. Like, confidence is so fragile. You see these guys... Even Gary Woodland, I saw in the comments, you're striping it for three holes. You feel like a million bucks. You hit one bad shot, you feel like you're back to square one off one shank. Like, it's such a cruel sport to begin with. And, and that confidence is so key because you are alone. And it's man versus man. It's man versus nature. It's man versus himself. But to see someone have that much confidence, like the level of confidence he had, and to see it get washed away it's been a tough few years. I can't deny it, but to see f the level of confidence just to be completely washed away on how he used to speak to us. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was something I didn't really expect to see. And I think that it's funny because you mentioned the injuries. They don't bring that up. And the timelines about his majors that gets somewhat confusing. And they only touched on this very briefly, but his path to being the best player in the world 
was sort of the antithesis to JT and Spieth, where they're talking about, oh, yeah, we've played all these high-end tournaments since we were 11 years old. Like, Brooks wasn't even, like, he was, like, the fourth guy on his college team at Florida State. He had to go grind Challenger Tour in Europe, play on the Euro Tour, and then come over. Like, part of that is... I mean, again, this is why I think I, I kind of connected with it a little bit. Like, you grind, your, you grind, you grind, you grind, because no one thinks that you're going to do anything. And then you get there, and then you become the most arrogant person in the world because everyone always told you that you weren't going to do it. You ride this confidence. And when that goes back down, you kind of start at square one from the confidence level. Like, you go from being the very top to back at square one where you were when people thought that you were an absolute nobody and you need to bring that back up uh, and to see whether you can do it or not. I just thought that was a part of the story that they could have told a little bit stretched out rather than making like two sentences about it and moving on. Him, him sitting there, the, he's the defending champion. He, the year they're filming him at Phoenix in this show, he won the last time the tour was in Phoenix. And it's one year from that, and he's talking about Scotty Scheffler, who was unconscious. It's like, I can't compete with these people. Like, I can't even compete with them. Yeah, but I, I think that I bet I, I mean, you've watched a ton of TV. That's just clever editing, because I doubt he said that right after Phoenix. I bet he said that six months later after Scheffler went on his run. Okay, well said. Fair. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, again, this is just all, I'll say the same thing like eight times. It would have been cool to show him grinding from where... Like that path is pretty atypical, like challenge, yeah, challenger tour, whatever. And then to me, it strikes a guy like that with that mindset to go to live would be a fascinating discussion of like, you know, a lot of people, including me, uh, you know, kind of see that as, as maybe, you know, it, not an easy way out, but just a different path for a guy that's like super determined to get back and capture what he had. I think him going to live, which again, they did a terrible job of even explaining they got like when we'll get to Poulter, like Brooks is standing there in that group and you're like, oh, I guess Brooks did in fact go to live because he's there. Uh, very, very confusing. Yeah, so that, that could have been the better part of the Brooks story. You do this grind, you get to the peak, and then Jeff, like you mentioned, all these injuries happen and you're just not the same player after you sustain all these injuries. And maybe, I mean, just the way that he's talking about himself, talking about his game, can he ever get back? That, I mean, it's pretty clear why he went to live, isn't it? But they didn't tell that story. As I said on our Monday show, all you do in your life in a profession is for someone to offer you what Liv offered you. Um, you know, golf is different in that sense, but, you know, that's that's the game is you do it to the, you get to a point where someone will make you that offer to do what you do. So it's hard to hold it against it, but it's just the persona he built up. Um and yeah, he, no one would have thinks, no one thinks any, only Brooks thinks less of Brooks. If that makes any sense. Like we'll think he's the, he's amazing. Yeah. It's been a few years since he won a major majors. Like we winning majors are hard. I would have no doubt he can come through this in the same way. Speak came through it in the same way in, in lesser ways, Ricky and day are coming through their own health or, or mental challenges at the moment not to be at that level but um yeah so i go back and forth it's so strange to me that he went there though in the end you see it's not though because ben you kind of hit on it like there's only four tournaments that matter to him and as long as he's still in them and gets to compete for them what's the difference yeah i mean that that is true he, he has proclaimed that i just 
I don't know. It's a fascinating story. It just, if you take little snippets, I get such a, a radically different impression of Brooks, depending on the time, almost like the time of day. It's just, I mean, that was definitely the better part. I don't, again, just like speed. Scheffler, I, I don't have a ton to say on. He was kind of the opposite in that episode. Uh, not did, the most compelling TV. No, it, it was funny with Scheffler because Scheffler just seems like the best dude in the world. And I, I was talking uh, talking to a few people in Vegas about it, just about this particular episode. And if you had to pick being one of those two guys, Brooks in the darkest of places or being Scotty Scheffler, <laughs> who would you rather be? Because 10 out of 10 times, it's Brooks Kepka. So Brooks in the darkest place is just lounging by the pool, yeah. golf sad. Scotty at the greatest of times is just reading the Bible, playing um, <laughs> cribbage. Yeah. Okay. Just- he was he was driving pretty little Need for Speed though. You see him in the car pushing the clock in like mid eighties. Is that rebel? Fa- yeah, I guess that's miles per hour. I always think like just- that's, a- that's pretty slow in kilometers per hour. <laughs> I still can't believe they got as little out of all the access they got with all the drama that was there to not apparent. Like I I'm under the assumption there's not a follow-up with Brooks about his decision to leave and in any of that, but they have no problem being at a live event. They show tons of um, uh, stock live footage in the early episodes that I have seen. So I am just totally disappointed that in the most drama-filled year ever, ever in golf, this is what we got. It makes you wonder what we'll get in a status quo golf season. I really like Brooks's house. Yeah, that was nice. All of their house. All of those houses. Yeah, yeah Brooks's house so good. It's funny, like Scheffler just seemed like an, a normal guy, which Spieth kind of felt the same. You know, and Brooks just Brooks and JT felt different. I guess that's why they were sort of the A stories of both the episodes, and those guys were the B stories. Maybe that's the way that you want to frame it. But I guess man, maybe both being from Texas, there's like a Texas personality that goes along with it. I, I just the Scheffler thing was the most for a guy who won four times in like three months and won the Masters. Like just, there was nothing there with him. Yeah, they said like forty thousand hours of tape, and that—that's the bet. I want to see what they couldn't put in the show with them. It must have been real, real bad because uh, a lot of coverage for pretty uninspiring TV. Like, I guess when it comes down, would you rather be Scheffler or be Brooks? I think it broke down to what you said. You can have, like, the Bible study stuff, or you can sit on the couch with your wife watching Selling Sunset, which they were watching, which is something I do with my wife. So I think I relate to that a little bit more. Before we leave the Brooks episode, I do think it's kind of interesting that the week, you know, the day after it premieres, Shipnick responds to a question and says he's heard Brooks has buyer's remorse. It just adds so much more like in our little golf internet bubble. That's like gasoline on this Brooks fire. You see that episode. It has you having all these thoughts. And then you read Shipnick who can be a rumor monger. So I don't put that above him despite his accuracy on a lot of things. Historically, he also has a high level of rumor mongering to him as well. That was just like put gasoline on that Brooks episode. I can see Brooks having buyer's remorse. It doesn't seem like Brooks really knows what Brooks wants at this point. I agree with that. Again, just from his own comments. At times, it seems like he's close to being like, I made a shitload of money. Like, I don't even like golf. 
And then there's parts of him that feel like it's only about like resume. And that's all he cares about is legacy. And those are two wildly different ideologies. Well, it's strange, too. It kind of reminds me, and and Jeff, you might know this better than Ben, like, not so much wrestlers now, because, like, The Rock and John Cena and Batista have gone on to have pretty good Hollywood careers, but wrestlers back in the day would be like, wrestling is now beneath me. I need to go become an actor. And then they would just flame out in Hollywood, and inevitably they'd all just come back to wrestling. Brooks kind of felt like that. Like, he the way that he talked about himself and even the way that like people thought about him, it felt like he was more of an athlete that could do other sports other than golf, where there are very few golfers that you can ever say that about. And the way he just carried himself that like guys are beneath me and their jockstrap doesn't even belong in the same locker room as me. Um, You know, just his whole aura, which was just so fascinating when, when it was, when it was happening, and I guess like you watch that that Brooks episode, you can't help but putting your amateur psychologist hat on. And the way the episode ends, and maybe it's because they want to make guys look good or bad, or maybe in this case bad because guys go to live and this is a PGA relationship, is they make you feel Brooks is afraid. He's just afraid and he's taking the money, right? Like he's questioning everything and the, it's just easiest to take the money. And can't lie like i'll make jokes i'd probably do it too you get me i have a dark i don't i said ben i said on our golf show today i haven't hit anything in golf this year it's 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 late february i feel horrible brooks moping around a house like me going oh for seven to start a golf season like i just feel a mess and i don't trust looking at odds and not comparing myself to brooks is a joke but it's a joke but yeah i don't know that the episode made it look like he doesn't want to bet on himself and he's scared that's what, like, they ended it with the feeling of. It's true, yeah, but to... when, when you talk to him, like, 10 minutes later, Ben, it, it seems like it could be a different answer. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Jekyll and Hyde with him. Like, what? I don't, I really don't understand that. Like, even little things. He's, like, walking in the fair, like, oh, played a bunch of sports. Like, I wish I played something. It's like, do you even like golf? And then he seems, like, truly tormented that he's not dominating the sport. I I I really don't know what to make of of Brooks and how he really feels. It does seem like it, it changes wildly. Yeah, maybe that's just part, maybe that's what's different about him. That during the good run, he was completely decisive, and now that he's had his confidence shattered even a little bit, it just creates. You know, you say you can't make a mountain out of a molehill, mountain out of a molehill. That maybe just that one little crack blew everything up for him. I still think we get healthy and motivated. 2.0 will rise from healthy and motivated. I don't doubt that at all. Well, I, someone, I, I saw someone make the comment about like live versus the PGA. Forget what it was. Like the, the passion that uh, Max Homa showed losing at Riviera. Everyone was just very enamored with that, my, myself included. But when Brooks had emotion when he won last year on the live tour, people like made fun of it. Like which way do you it's want all it? To the, to, to the contradiction that Ben's been talking about. Because it's all meant like nothing matters, only majors, big events. Max Holm has always been honest. He's in front of a microphone. He's very heartfelt and honest. So when he's honest in that moment, you believe it to be genuine. When Brooks cries winning Jeddah in front of seven people, you don't know. 
I, I believe it was. A, it's a huge. You watch that episode. You know what it meant for him to win anything. That's so. A thing. I'm not saying the tears weren't real, but I'm just saying from a public standpoint, from you know staring down at it, you're like, I don't know what to make of this guy. Because in a year ago, he would have laughed at this event. Four months ago, we would have mocked someone doing that. Literally. And it's funny because after watching this episode, Ben, I actually kind of get it now. I get it, but I, I, he is a walking contradiction by his own words. Like, Jeff just said it. Brooks would be the first to be like, huh, you know, uh, I care about the real tournaments. Like, I'm not worried about winning to create a tournament in Saudi Arabia. And now... All of a sudden, it's like but complete 180. And like Homa has always been authentic like that. It's not a surprise to see that from him. With Brooks, you're just like, what? Is he confused? And he thought that this was the open? Like, and he's just adding he's got the wrong trophy in his little cabinet now? Like, what? what is this exactly? Do, do you think that Jenna got a bad edit or she's just super spacey all the time? <laughs> I think they did the best they could for her because I, the, you want the cutting room Scheffler floor. There must be hours of her trying to interject herself to get some time on this thing too, that they like scrapped hard. I don't know. She kind of, the, the vibe that I got from her is that like she had her career, like being an influencer. I think she was like Miss Teen Georgia or something like that. And she's just like good with kicking back now. Good for her. She fell into his DMs and now she, yes. Yeah, yeah. Good for her. I liked her. And Liv takes care of those. They take care of the the part. Yeah. The, the uh, your traveling groups quite well. Episode three, the Poulter episode. Here we go. This felt like it could have been by far the best one, and it wasn't. Although I, I just I don't know if he was holding back or they didn't air all the footage that they had because. It kind of concludes with him joining Liv, and it's like, are you going to join Liv? It's like, I guess we're going to wait and see. I'm sure he told them that he was joining at some point, and they just kept it from us as a part of the episode to extend the drama if you didn't know that he was actually going. But again, it's almost like the Brooks thing where they didn't mention the injuries, the fall off in the game, the confidence. Maybe that's a reason to go. I think Poulter laid it out pretty clearly, all of the pros about going to Liv. I actually think he kind of made the right choice. 46 years old. If it was about $40 million or a Ryder Cup captaincy, that's up to him. And that's for him and his family. 46 years old, cannot compete. Is, you know, the, those guys were just debating if they wanted to do Champions Tour life, but they'll just do a live life instead. I don't blame a guy like Poulter at all. It doesn't come with the same contradictions that it does with other people. Totally agree. Like, just different mindset, different... And again, I don't think there's a writer... It's about what he prioritizes. Like, if you lose the Ryder Cup stuff, that is the opportunity cost of going to live. Like, you have to accept that. I mean, Poulter's Poulter. If I didn't know anything about him, it might have been more interesting. But, like, Poulter having some Poulter moments there was not exactly shocking that's just kind of how i thought he would operate behind the scenes like when he started throwing his putter in the dressing room yeah that that's a peak polter right there i love it but it also seemed it's funny for a guy who's sort of much maligned by the golf media like they even just showed a bunch of announcers just taking shots at him and his attire the entire time we know that he's a hothead it did seem like everyone he interacted with that was a player seemed to like him 
Although he was just talking to Pat Perez, it seemed. And Paul Casey for five seconds. I thought that was that, I thought that was an interesting one too. Because remember, we were tracking that Paul Casey thing. Remember, he didn't end up WDing until like the third of the matches. He just kept withdrawing from the match, but not the tournament. I, I thought that was I thought that was like a fun insight that they maybe they could have blown that out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they tried to add drama. You know, he's trying to get into the Masters. I liked how he said how he's choosing not to fly to the U.S. for the U.S. Open this year instead of being like, I'm not in the U.S. Open. That's a, a nice way for him him to put that. Um, yeah, I don't know, but Poulter would have given you more. Maybe there was more. Like, the episode was fine, but to think that's all you got out of Poulter... The guy loves to spill tea. So there must be either really good on the cutting floor or or it was just a bad job. I didn't hate the episode. I like sort of seeing these guys, especially Poulter, unlike everyone else in the series, has college-age kids. I mean, that son, I think, is committed to Florida. He's got an older couple older daughters as well and a younger son. So that's just a life just like that work-life thing, as you'll see with the Finau one, but Finau's kids are, I mean, he's got a whole Rivers trio, but <laughs> younger than, he doesn't have college-age kids yet. Um, so that was cool to see to see that part of it, I guess. I liked it better than the Speed episode. That's really all I can say. Yeah, again, the, like there was more to dig into there, and I, I think that the, the inference was Poulter grew up poor, and that's why the money means so much to him. But they didn't explicitly say that. They had opportunity. So to me, of all the 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 speed and JT episode, the ceiling on that, I don't think was was great. No matter what they did, this could have been amazing, and it wasn't. Like there were real opportunities. He's European, which I, I find interesting. Just like a different mindset, some different like dynamics where he came from. You had to take real like inferences and draw your own conclusions with a lot of this shit from going to live and other stuff. And I don't know why it had to be that way. Yeah. A lot of the show is me taking like things I've heard on Twitter that the show has yeah. never shown or other news stories that we've heard over the last year. I mean, no one. And I, maybe it's just a lot of nonsense that's just been run through. But at that time, you're not going to ask anyone about live about the, the the Mickelson comments or some of the really controversial parts of it. Like, it's just really, really weird. It was really weird. And to your point, Ben, the Poulter episode could have been amazing. Spill tea on the PGA, Ian. Like, tell us why. Like, Phil's made all these points. We hear them. They make sense. Now that we're a year later and we're full of elevated fields, clearly they have found money and have catered to guys. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know what the rappers call, but like, Drop a riff like nothing. A smirk. There's a smirk. Unbelievable. You Unbelievable. Know, this is also like a part and parcel with a PGA production as well. Like I'm sure the PGA tour looked at some of this stuff and be like, no, not not saying that about the PGA tour. Okay, fine. But then again, just there's other things. Um all that you get a smirk. Uh, and the reason he again he he gave a heartfelt reason as to why it's a decision for him. So from that, that's respectable. And most understanding humans can hear that and resonate with it and maybe disagree, but they can respect that that's his decision and why he made it. 
So from that, you can tell me so you should be able to open up more because I, I respect your decision. You've shown me why I should respect your decision. Now open up about it more. That's all. Yeah. I don't know. It was like, what would you have liked to see them do here, Ben? Like, is it better to focus on Poulter to tell the live story? Or since you were talking to all these guys anyway, would it be better just to have a live episode with five guys? Yeah, I would have rather had that and then delve into, you could see the kind of the spread of reasons from, I mean, obviously financial probably is an umbrella of all of them, but like to me, Poulter going to live and Brooks going to live are so different stories for so many different reasons that that would be an interesting contrast. And if you didn't really know, like Jeff said, if you're not taking puzzle pieces from what we know just doing this, I feel like their stories almost come across the same and they're not. They're not at all. <laughs> so true. So it, true, man. It is. And if people can point to, I think they said at one point of the episode, Poulter's made like $32 million in his career. And it's rumored that he got $40 million to go play on Live. And for a guy who essentially said, I am out here to make money. It was a very clear point A to point B. And they just never explicitly said it. Maybe they're trying to have nuance. I don't know. But it did, like you said, it almost allowed you to draw your own conclusions. And there didn't seem to be anything different from Brooks and Poulter. Maybe the answer is they're all just doing this because it's an outrageous amount of money. Maybe. And, and yeah, I mean, they like to indicate, and it's no secret, we know this as golf fans, these guys do not want to work free. They pay their own way there. They do not want to work free. They... It, they could have stayed home and and done a a, a a clinic for Morgan Stanley and made a very nice weekly pay just for standing on the seventh tee at a, a par three at a charity tournament as 18 groups came through for the afternoon. You hit a shot with each one of them like their time is worth money. So they don't like going anywhere and not getting paid. And I, I like how they they show that, I guess. But I don't know. Well, those are the first three episodes. I, I was kind of surprised there was no B story as a part of the Poulter episode. They really just focused on him the entire time. Although they did kept trying to squeeze Pat Perez in there, who obviously did go to live as well. Like, he seems like a real character. We couldn't have worked him in more? Pat Perez, I guess, was doing, like, follower counts. I eh? was seeing how many followers. Yeah, people, but pa Pat Perez is that, that guy that that guy in the, uh, that, in the industry, Ben, who's like, oh, I mean, I, I don't want to say his name, but I know exactly who that is that I know who is the Pat Perez talking about social media followers all the time. Um, that's a guy who exists in our space, isn't it, Ben? Certainly is. Yeah, I just. Every single storyline that we talked about for the first three episodes, I feel like we ended with. Yeah, it was pretty good, but there was a lot of nuance. Like, I wish they went all in on any topic and gave us stuff that it was like, wow, I never have heard that in my life. And that's super interesting. It changes what I thought. But nothing about this changed really any of my thoughts on any of the people we've talked about so far. Yeah, it was almost like if you took the Wikipedia article of all these guys last 12 yeah. months and just just the one sentence recap of it. That's what we got when it would have been better to take one of those sentences and make 40 minutes on it. Yeah. Although, even Jenna. Even that's, Jenna. That's who I thought she was. Sharknado 4 or whatever she's in. Yeah, the, the 500-foot cheerleaders. I think that was her movie. Actually, nice house, though. 
Very nice house. I'm very jealous. Really of nice just, house. Just, just very jealous of the Kepka lifestyle. Just seems like a lifestyle I would enjoy to live. I think Berger's living that right now, though injured. But he's in that exact poolside, staring at his boat in the ocean on that uh, comfy little enclave beside his pool as we speak. All right. So any anything I should look forward to, Ben or Jeff? I mean, Ben, you've seen one more. Jeff, you've seen three more. Yeah, I've gone all the way up to episode six. Um, no, I'll just sort of uh, to go with my original point of what I enjoy. I'm not giving anything away. My favorite thing I've seen thus far through six episodes, other than we all know how well, wasn't secret to me how great of a guy Tony Finau was. It's great that that can maybe be a mainstream thing, although the tour's done a great job in letting us know, even when he wasn't winning tournaments, how great of a guy he was. Uh, my favorite thing in the whole show is simple. It's like a two-minute, one-minute thing. It's Colin Morikawa in a scripting meeting with Adidas. Like, that's the sort of shit that I like. That's what I watch this show for. The worst stuff in the show is the stuff on course, but that's just for me because I know who wins that event. Is it, yeah. is, it, is it strange that we got what we consider at least to be the most upside, most compelling stuff from Brooks and Poulter? Obviously, they end up going to live. I don't know if that's a live game plan that they took real personalities. But you know, if you're talking about Finau or you're talking about even Matt Fitzpatrick, who are coming up in some of these episodes, or even Spieth and Jordan, that maybe it is best to focus on guys that have a semblance of personality. Maybe they're kind of di- Wait, imagine if there was a Patrick Reed episode. That would be awesome. That would be pay. I'd pay for it. I'd double my (laughs) sub. I'd double my sub for that. Liv should make their own Patrick Reed family docu-series. Their (laughs) opulence is incredible. They're like how they dress for Tuesday blows my mind. I'm obsessed with any behind the scenes into Reed family opulence. Who would you want to yeah, nom- watch that? Yeah, who, who would you want to nominate? Like if we could do season two of this of guys that aren't involved in season one, I think the Gala or Octay Bashia or whatever the hell his name is. The Gala has an episode oh, seven. He, oh, he does have an episode. OK, I'm glad they, they got yeah. him in because his story. I don't know. Like I know enough about him, but like his entire family travels with him to these events. He was a rookie on tour. I think getting that perspective rather than, hi, I'm Justin Thomas. I'm worth $50 million. Watch me go to CVS. Like it's a bit of a different story. I would. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fine line because, you know, there are guys that I would love to see, but I'm not sure the public Joel Dahman in that episode, you know, he he's obviously not on the the resume wise of some of these guys, but like, it would have been cool to see someone completely different, like fighting for starts and status, Monday qualifiers, stuff like that. Totally or agree. Give them, the give producers me only want to fly private. Ben. Yeah. They don't want to follow a guy on the grind. That's commercial. No Tommy Ganey stories coming up. Well, I, I think it would be interesting if you could structure and do like the A and B storyline format is that you follow two guys, like you said, that are trying to keep their tour card or something like that. And you follow them through like the 3M and the Wyndham at the end of the year to see if they can get into the playoffs and use their card. And you can see them go to the Corn Ferry finals too to see if they can get it back. And maybe try to follow like one guy who's 42. Like, a, I mean, Kevin Streelman, I think is fine, but like that type of player 
Ryan Moore, something like that. Guys that are now fighting for their life to keep their card who have been on tour forever. See how that is versus some guy who's a rookie on tour who's like 23 and is in danger of losing his card after getting it the first time and you know juxtapose those two together and see what that grind is like. I think that's a really compelling story that I do think would resonate across the board. Like You don't need to know who these guys are. You just need to know what the story is and then you're kind of hooked. That's the hard knocks model. Like, I feel like the best part of hard knocks is the cuts. And those are random people I've never heard of. But like, is this guy going to make the team? Is this veteran going to, you know, keep his job? You could do that with the tour. But it's some of these guys have real no. Like they tried to make a story out of no story. Like, what are what are their stories? Yeah, they're all very rich and really good at golf. And sometimes they play better than others and they want to win. Outside, it's funny that Brooks and Poulter seemed like rich people but in a way that i don't know flashier rich where scheffler thomas spieth i mean they probably all have more money than the other two and like obviously they're playing flying private jets up to play one round at southern hills and then flying back home and doing commercials but they weirdly just seem like very normal people which is strange and i i feel like that might be hidden a little bit by this show she- that they're no, cho- scheffler is they're choosing to show these people in a certain light who stuck with the PGA Tour, but they're also showing Brooks and Poulter in another light because they left. You could be right on that, but the weird the Scheffler thing was all last year. He didn't even buy a new car. Or maybe when he finally got a new car, it was a thing. He still had his college car. He just won the Masters. He had won three times leading into it. He doesn't go out. He does play just board games with his wife. I, I don't know that there was a bit there. And as you joked about it, you know, half hour ago, how bad the content they gave us was makes us only wonder how boring what they couldn't give us um, was there. And and yeah, I guess it's the way that they they carry themselves. A player I would have been int- like Billy Horschel, and I'm not even a Billy Horschel fan. I feel like, you know, he would give you the goods. Very interesting. Also, off course dynamic there as well. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know. I agree with the assessment that the they should have shown us like the complete other side of tour life, like what housing looks like for the guy, you know, one thirtieth in the field compared to the housing that JT and Spieth and Ricky get a bunk up in together. Right now they glamp because they all have kids and stuff. But you know what I mean? Like I like imagine following around Sung Jay his rookie year when he didn't have a house. Yeah. Anything that's just unique. Like if you, if you asked a random person, how do you think, you know, golfer that's elite travels into stuff, I, you would nail the episode. But if you asked me like, how does a guy, I don't know. I actually wonder that sometimes like, what is like a random, a random guy in like the Honda field? Like how, what, how does that work? Like you guys he, live out of their cars. Like is he flying bunking in airlines? Yeah. Like, like caddies are sleeping. Their caddies are sleeping on the floor in their room. It's a whole thing. The Monday Q guy, Ryan French at Monday Q qualifier. They've done with the fire pit collective, a video series of, of that grind um, in some ways, which is could be cool to check out if you are interested. I mean, I, I don't know if he's a personality or not, but Ben, your guy, Ben Martin, follow that guy around. Like he's, he's yeah. had success in his career. He's been demoted a few times. How, how does he travel around? And then he maybe bring in their accountants too, to figure out how they like fudge all this stuff together and like what they actually make in a year. 
Would a Ben like Martin it. exclusive show would be uh, <laughs> can't miss. Trying yeah, to Pat, you're right. Let's. I mean, that's a little personal. Bringing in the accountant. Next thing <laughs> we'll want their T fours. But I don't know. You're, you're right. Like, give us a none. There's an. I mean, we all understand that the grind that they're going through in some level, but but showcase it. It would add such a level of respect to what those guys go through each week. You're you're six for six cut makers. Well, e- even to the Poulter point where they you know they claim he's made thirty four million dollars. I assume that's what he's made in purses throughout the course of his career, actually playing in golf tournaments. That's not including anything that he's done off the course in terms of a Mastercard sponsorship or whatever the hell else that he's picked up over the past twenty years. But that's also not talking about paying out his caddy, paying out his team, paying out his manager, paying his taxes, uh, Im- immigrating to the United States. I'm sure that wasn't super cheap to go through to get it done just like that, so we could live in Florida and pay his few taxes as possible but like i i would personally be interested in hearing more about that side of it because it's easy to say oh you have 34 million why do you need any money well how much money does he really have those are all well said and now that we're picking other things pat and maybe this is me maybe people call me a snowflake for this but they really could have done a better job maybe even exploring the the uh sports therapist part psychologist part of all of it um, and the mental health part of all of it that all these guys probably go through and you see it firsthand with the the Brooks stuff. And I know Rom's not featured in it, but he openly talks about how much work he needs to put in with um, like sports psychology because of how mentally what a whirlwind being alone in that sport is really. Um, they could have done maybe better with that. I've seen three more episodes than we discussed. Not to say, I know mental health has a lot of advocates and people could get bored with that stuff, but in golf, I think on that level, I think it's important. Yeah, that would have been interesting to tie into the Brooks episode just as it pertains to confidence and just seeing a sports psychologist and see how that can go. I've known a few people over the years that like, you know, I mean, where I'm from, it's mainly hockey players, but guys that if they had got their head right, they would have made the NHL. Instead, they're like bouncers at a bar instead, uh, just because they just didn't have it between the years and couldn't get that figured out. Last thing, retroactive to, let's say, the past five, ten years, if there's any story that you think they could have made into an episode that would be the best episode, Ben, I have my answer, but I want to hear yours. What do you think that would be? I mean, well... I feel like Tiger is the easy answer. Anthony Kim, maybe. Oh, Anthony Kim's interesting. I was gonna say Just because I was gonna say Kucher stiffing the caddy. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yes, yeah, Phil finding a sprinkler head in the middle of Mexico. That's that's a story I'd like more on. I, I feel like this series is missing Phil. It is because on that note, yes, me. I would say um, I don't now. I'll get the year wrong, so I'm not gonna say year, but just the post Ryder cup press conference shit show from team USA, uh, that finger pointing to me, uh, and Phil running his mouth at that press are pretty hot. That, that would be a cool thing for me. Yeah. I, I just think that but you would have to have the cameras on the ground at a lot of these things. Like you'd have to be following Kucher around at Maya Coba when this happens. But if that was plausible, like if that was possible and they did have the footage, I just think that would be a very compelling story to someone who doesn't know that story. 
and just the inner workings. Because we, di- we didn't really get much between players and caddies, at least so far, of what that relationship can be like, too. And obviously, that wasn't his regular caddy. How do caddies get paid? I think that's a really interesting part of like the golf dynamic that you don't see in other sports. I could be wrong. I think Kuchar might have one of his sons on his bag now. So he's taking that read approach. We're keeping it in the family. Smart. Do you think he st- do you think he like cuts him a lower rate because he's a son? I'm not sure. I could be wrong. One of his sons uh, almost Monday qualified a 15 year old. I think Cameron. He's got a couple. He's got a couple of sons. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm uh... Monday qualified for the Honda. I mean, he was out there in the pre-quality. All right. I don't think it really mattered what tournament it was, did it? You're right. Ben Raza, stochastic.com. Thanks for being on, man. What's going on with you? Yeah, just obviously we're getting into the thick of, of golf season, both on the betting and DFS side. You can always find me over there. A lot of fun things, cool community. You can always follow me. You mentioned on Twitter, Jazz DFS. So just a great time of the year. March Madness, soon enough for you college basketball fans. Cannot wait. Oh, shit. Are we going to do our bracket show again? We got to get cussed. Uh, yeah, we have to. I feel like we've done well two of the three years that we've done it. We had the winner one year. One year we had like an actual, it, that that was the best bracket we've ever created. Yeah, uh, we, had, we had three of the four final fours and we had the winner. Yeah, and Texas Tech was one of them who no one, that, that was just a good a good situation. When is When is tournament selection night? March what? Like the middle of March. March middle. Okay, I'll write that down. Make a note uh, that we'll come in live on Sunday night and do that show. Uh, Jeff, obviously you were on with me for golf. Yeah. Uh, me, you, and Cust will be back next week. I saw you're doing Joe's show. If people want to go check that out this week, what else you got going on? Uh, yeah, I'm doing Joe's show. Got my video stuff for Odds Checker. Um, then heading on, as I mentioned to you, I'm heading on a little vacation where maybe I'll even meet up with Joe in uh, real life down in Palm Beach this week but yeah i find my golf content here with you pat and uh over at golf at odds checker and i tweet that out regularly all right i'm pat mayo you can follow me at the pme if you want golf stats and tools fantasynational.com slash mayo will get you 20 percent off you want to dabble your toe into the betting game the dfs game the props game the DraftKings game whatever it may be fantasy nationals where you need to be at all right Smash the like and tell us what you would want to see from the show or how you've been enjoying it. And we'll be back to review three more episodes, two more episodes, the rest of the season. Who knows? Uh, we'll see how this show goes. So spread it around. Help us out. All right. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.